I do PowerPoints quite all the time, really. So you're gonna, every time I preach, you're likely to get a PowerPoint. If you don't get a PowerPoint, it's because I'm over busy and I'm working too much. Right? So um, you'll know when I've overdone it, you haven't got a PowerPoint. <clears throat> and the reason why I do PowerPoints is because um, I'm a visual learner. Um, I like visual aids. I'm not promising you a visual aid every week. Um, I'm not promising you this box every week. Every time I've preached here so far, this box has featured um, in the service. Um, and it will do from time to time, but not every week. Just get that out there, because you, one day you're going, where's the box gone? <laughs> so just be prepared for that. Um, I'm a visual learner, as I say, so I do like um, to have different types of uh, learning aids. So I hope that's okay with you. I know I've been to many seminars where people say, death by PowerPoint. Yes, word by PowerPoint, I guess. Um, but here we are on this journey. We're going <laughs> to, when Jill spoke last week and she, she's done the first reading from Genesis 1, I thought, ah! And I thought, no, that's what God wants. God wants us to delve into his word. We've begun, or we've begun this journey now together um, as um, uh, an extended part of God's family. I've joined you and you're joining me to continue what God has done um, and to see what God will do. So we are looking at Genesis 1, and we'll, I, I don't know how long we'll do this, um, but I've got a, a few weeks or so already planned. Um, I, I'm not too sure how long this will go on for, but we're going to start with Genesis 1, and we'll see how we go along the way as we together hear God um, speak to us as a, a, a people of movement, a people of God's movement for his will and his purpose. So we're going to be looking at what are we made for? Genesis 1. Um, I don't know about you, but I love new beginnings. And I'm not going to start another church tomorrow, by the way, so don't get too carried away. I'm not going to leave and find another church. But I love new beginnings. Every day to me is a new beginning. I don't know if that is, it is for you, but it certainly is for me. And so how do I approach every day? When I look at Genesis, the beginnings... I, I try to get my whole being around um, this first time, um, you know, falling in love. Who remembers falling in love for the first time? What about the second time? What about the third time? Fourth time? Fifth time? And eventually, you really fell in love, didn't you? You really fell in love. Now, we should be, we should be entering into that first time love every single day of our lives. Falling in love easily means we can fall out of love easily. We should be captured by love, caught up in love, so that it continues to grow in us and expand us in who we are. So how should we approach this day? How should we approach each other? How should we approach God? How should we approach his word? As if it's a new beginning again. And I want to invite you with me to journey on through Genesis 1, as I'm sure you've gone through many times with a fresh set of lenses, as if it's the first time again. I want to meet Jesus every day for the first time again and again and again. So let us start with Genesis 1, the first part of it from um, verse uh, 1 to verse 5. <clears throat> In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. 
while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. Sorry, I can't. I've, I've done too small. I've got to get used to the size of the text on that screen, and it's not quite um, right for me yet. I'll, I'll learn and get that. I don't know if you've got a set format that you could um, let me have. But anyway, um, and then there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. In the beginning, God. It starts off with God is there. With, for us, God has always been there. There's this joke that goes something like this. One day, a group of scientists got together and decided that man had come a long way and no longer needed God. Sorry if you've heard this joke. So they picked one scientist to go and speak to God and tell him that we do not need him anymore. We're done with him. The scientist walked up to God and said, God, we've decided that we no longer need you. We're at the point now where we can clone people and, and we can do many miraculous things. So we don't really need you. So um, get lost. God listened very patiently and kindly to that scientist. After the scientist was done talking, God said, very well. How about this? Let's say we have a man-making contest. To which the scientists replied, great, let's do it. God added this. Now, we've got to do things how I did it from the beginning, in the old days, when I did it with Adam. The scientist said, sure, no problem. And the scientist bent down, grabbed himself a handful of dirt, and God looked at him and said, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. You go and get your own dirt. <laughs> In the beginning, often people say there was nothing. Now for us, if we stand and say, what's in the palm of my hand, apart from the hand and the skin on it, we might say nothing. There's always something there, isn't there? Atoms, air, nitrogen, oxygen. It's all there. We just can't see it with the eyes that we have. In a similar way, there's never, ever been nothing. There's always been God. It's complex. I feel it is. Anyway, it's hard to get your head around. But as a scientist knows, we can't see the very things in front of us. So therefore, sometimes it feels like we can't see God in front of us. Whatever your position is on the creation story, the creation accounts, we start with this premise is that in the beginning, God. God was there, is there, and will always be there. He is here right now. And then he creates. He begins to create something in us, something through us, something beyond us. He begins to create the world, the universe, the stars, the planets, everything in it. Who can remember the order of creation? Let's see how we get on here. doesn't have to be rhetorical, so you can all um, shout out. Day one. Done that one already? Light and darkness. Yes, separate it. Next one. See. See. 
Yeah, water. Sky and water. Day three, I've got it in front of me, so I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> I'm just seeing how intelligent you guys are first before I go on to the next few weeks. What's, what's day three? Land, yes, land, seeds, um, so there's seed-bearing plants, etc. Day four? Sun, moon, light at night and light in the dark, in the day. Day five? Fish in the water, birds in the sky. Day six? Human beings, animals and human beings. The new beginning, the new beginning of God being in relationship with his creation like him, like him, like them. He created us. There you are. There's the um, six days of creation. We're not going to touch on day seven this week by any means. So in the beginning, God, in the beginning, God created. He created us. I love the Hebrew, one of the Hebrew words for God, Elohim. Elohim uh, means, um, or is translated as the ancient one, the mighty one, uh, the God of power. Whether you believe God just said, let it be, and it happened, or whether you believe God um, had this mass and he started to create it through the mass, whatever your position is, the point is, God started it all. He began it all anew, and he began something amazing through us. The, the actual word here used, Elohim, in the Aramaic, which is what Jesus would have spoken, would be the one over the flames. The one over the flames. Elohim is the plural of the Eloia, uh, which um, occurs some just under 2,600 times in the Bible. Eloia comes from the word Allah, which is A-H-L-A-H, which means to worship and to adore, presenting God as the one to be worshipped and adored. He he desires our adoration. He desires to be in union with us. He created us for something more than this. We are made for something more than what we know here today. We are made for something greater. I believe we are made for new beginnings. Um, God is constantly starting something afresh with us. Where are you in your new beginning with God today? We're about to start this journey together. We're going to have a lot of fun, I promise you that. We're going to have a lot of challenges, I promise you that. We're going to have a lot of wrestling and working through. But we're going to have a lot of God's abundance above it all, above it all keep our eyes firmly fixed on the author of our lives, the creator, the one who created us uniquely. Now, there's never going to be another one of you. You'll probably say, praise the Lord for that. <laughs> I certainly say that about me. Um, you know, there can never be. The, the, only, the only replicate is going to happen in our lives is the one that we want to replicate. You know, I've got a, um, a relative who's a bit of an Elvis fan. And, and they love Elvis. They've imitated Elvis all their lives. It's my dad. If you met him last, um, last week, it's my dad. You saw him. He did look like Elvis, didn't he? He loves to look like Elvis. He's a lovely man. He's a great man. But he loves Elvis. 
He's got this shrine in the bottom of his garden. It's called a summer house, really, but it's an Elvis shrine. I once went in there to have a look, and he had a guitar with Elvis all over it. I said, I didn't realise you played the guitar, Daddy. He said, I don't. <laughs> just had a, it just had Elvis on it. Now, the only replica uh, of another is going to be what we create. God made us unique, and he made us for a time such as this. He made us for new beginnings. Let's move on to Genesis um, 26, 31. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image. Already there's the plural um, element of God. According to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the, of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image, in the image of God. He created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit and you shall have from them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth Everything that has the breath of life, I have given you every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And indeed, it was very good. Very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. The second point of um, what are we made for? We're made to worship, we're made to um, give thanks, we're made for new beginnings. The third point is this masterpiece. We're created to create, to be creative. We're created to allow our imagination to run wild, to have no limits. We're created to be innovative. We're created to be inspirational. We're created to be influential. We can't help but be influential. When I used to teach in schools, um, the, sort of um, the, the PSHE and, um, and other classes, um, RE and so on, uh, as, a, as a local youth worker and minister, um, I used to say to the young people, I said, you chose to come to school this morning. And they said, no, I didn't. I said, I bet you did. No, I didn't. My mum made me come to school. I said, did she walk you into the classroom and chain you to the table? No. But she dropped me off and watched me go into school. And then she drove off. And you chose to stay in school. You choose what to do. Because at the end of the day, you knew that was right. And to do anything else was wrong. We choose to do whatever we choose to do every day. We choose to sit with God and just begin a new day with God or not. We choose to spend one minute or one hour with God. Now, I know our times can vary in terms of our commitments, but we choose to begin with God or not. We choose to be um, an instrument for his presence to become tangible to other people. You know, um, if we begin with that attitude, that 
I'm alive in God and I've been filled with God. You, you begin with a, a great start for the day, a great attitude, and you bring an atmosphere wherever you go. If you're a grumpy what's it, nobody will be, want to be around you, will they? You know, at the end of the day, they go, oh, yeah, thanks for that, and they move on quickly. You know, what sits in the depth of who we really are counts massively. Because if our motive is pure, then whatever happens, even if our methods are all over the place, whatever happens, if our motives are pure because our desire is to glorify God, then something amazing will happen. Motives over methods. Attitudes produce atmospheres. What atmosphere are you producing? As one of God's absolute beautiful masterpieces of his handiwork, as Ephesians says, for we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. What is your mark of adoption as you put on your identity every day? What lies are you allowing to penetrate the very you, who you are, who God created you? God is just trying to release us in who we are in him, day after day after day after day. And like some of you, maybe many of you, maybe most of you, I get sucked into a fake identity, a false identity. I don't even realise sometimes that I'm wearing it. And I have to re-establish myself in the presence of my creator. We are God's handiwork. We are God's beautiful creation. Most of us here have held a baby in our arms. And wonder, the wonder of this beautiful creation is out of this world, isn't it? Absolutely out of this world. There's a story of a little girl who, <coughs> who was the only child. Um, and life was absolutely awesome. She loved her mum and dad. And then she found out that mum was pregnant and she was going to have a baby brother. She was excited about this, absolutely over the moon. She couldn't wait for mum to give birth to this, uh, to this brother of hers. And when baby boy came, it was absolutely awesome and everybody was filled with joy. Several months went by and um, over the course of that time, within three or four months, um, the little girl kept insisting to mum and dad, I want some private time with my brother, without you and dad there, mum. I want to spend one-to-one -one time with my baby brother. They got a bit anxious about this because she seemed to be quite obsessed with um, insisting that she had this um, private time, this private appointment. So they, 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 they wandered over it and then they planned it and they put baby monitors so they could hear. And because you've got the video age, you could watch nowadays. And so they put these baby monitors and set up and they granted an appointment uh, for their daughter with her brother. And as they watched and listened, they saw the daughter go into the room and climb over the cot and into the cot and got very close to her baby brother. And she whispered, in his ear and she said remind me what God is like I'm beginning to forget you know it's so easy as we grow up to forget what God is like because we become mature adults don't we I never want to grow up uh, you'll get that over these years that we're going to journey together you'll get I don't want to grow up 
And I remember my mum saying to me, because my mum and dad had divorced many, many years ago, she said, the problem with your father is he never grew up. And I say, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Because I don't want to grow up. Life is too serious not to have a lot of fun. We are made for his pleasure. He delights in having fun with us. My first ministry when I became a Christian among young people had this strap line, having fun with God. Don't ever, ever lose the fun you can have with God, the joy that comes from heaven, being in relationship with God. Look at the psalmist. Oh, man, the psalmist is awesome. Psalm 8. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them? We're so significant, so minute in the whole of creation, but you are constantly mindful of them, mortals, that you care for them. Yet you have made them a little lower than God. A little lower than God? Seriously? Do you feel like God at the moment? I don't. You know, what would you do if you were God for that film, Heaven Almighty? Is it Heaven Almighty with Bruce? Bruce Almighty. <laughs> Bruce Almighty. You know, he was allowed to be God for a week. He screwed it up, didn't he? Big time. Because he didn't know how to be God. You, yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honour. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, O sovereign Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I don't know how you start your day, but I start the day thinking, wow. Well, at the moment, I wake up and I think, where am I? Because <laughs> I'm a little bit disorientated at the moment when I wake up. Um, but, you know, when I get my bearings back together, and the first thing I want to do is say, good morning, Dad. Good morning, Creator, Sovereign Lord. I'm ready, but I just need time with you before I get going. <laughs> I'm ready. For whatever comes, we're going to be, when we get to chapter 3 of Genesis, we're going to be looking at self-preservation. And, uh, uh, and there's going to be some tough times on that one because self-preservation is so important. But let's start with, what are we made for? We're made for new beginnings. We're made to create. We're made to worship. We're made to be um, delightful in the presence of God, to have fun with God. We're made for a time such as this. Last point. Starting off with a good Baptist three-point sermon. I don't know if you're into that, but anyway, that's, that's for today. I'm not promising that every week by any means. <clears throat> we are God's image bearers. It says that um, in, in the in passage that we just read from Genesis uh, 26 to 31 is that we are to go forth and multiply, to multiply, to, to, to create, to do what God did in the beginning, to to, to bless the earth, to, to be a blessing to others, to share the good news, to bear the image of Jesus wherever we go because Jesus was there right in the beginning. If you're in the, in the position of looking for uh, a study guide or devotions, um, this one I read last year which is really, really worth looking at and you'll pick up a couple of points um, from here that um, I've shared this morning. Um, 
the image maker. Um, it's worth by um, Brian and Candice Simmons. Um, it's worth a read if you're looking for one um, at this time in your life. Um, you can have a look at it afterwards if, if you're interested. But you know, one of the things that challenges me with um, uh, the Christian community, um, and it started when I was a Christian with my thir first year. I, I joined a home group. Well, I joined about four home groups, actually. Um, I was just um, a, a junkie on, on growing as a Christian. And, um, and I remember sitting in this home group, and, and I was sharing what God was doing um, in my life every day. I, you know, uh, my first shopping trip to Sainsbury's here in Breton Centre, um, I, I gave my first thought for the day. So I, I preached my first thought for the day. I stopped and talked to Nikki, who's a homeless girl. Some of you might know her. A uh, homeless girl. I stopped and chatted to her and had a little conversation with her. And then I went into Sainsbury's to do my shopping. And uh, this woman said, oh, what's all that about? That's disgraceful, isn't it? I said, what? She's begging on the street. What, what's all that about? What? Oh, that shit, that's not right, is it? Outside Sainsbury's. As if Sainsbury's this glorious shopping um, uh, place. <clears throat> and I said, well, I don't know. Have you ever been that desperate? Because I've never been that desperate. I've been homeless a couple of times, but I've never been that desperate where I'm begging uh, for money, for food or whatever it is. Maybe she was begging for money for drugs. That's, what she, that's where she is. But have you ever been that, that desperate? She said, well, no, 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 no. So, so why are you asking those questions? Are they the wrong questions? Would it be easy to just go and say, Hello? That, is that easy? You know, she spent all her energy mulling over how disgraceful this was, which saps us dry of who we are in God. Instead of going up and saying, Hiya, my name is Brian, what's your name? I don't, I've got a policy, I don't give out money to, to people that um, beg um, at all or, or are in desperate need in that way. I always made that very clear, but I'm willing to help. I want to I hear their story. I want to know where they are, why they are where they are, what it is they're really seeking. It's less effort <laughs> to do that. A lot less effort. I went away challenged, not by Nikki, but by the lady who was indignant about somebody begging outside of Sainsbury's. I remember going to home group and telling of all these stories that God was doing in my life. I, I, by the way, I've met about six people um, since I've been here. So I've had a busy time um, on the streets in, in Peterborough particularly, um, but I'll tell you those over time. <coughs> but, um, and I remember sharing my, my testimonies and someone said, oh, I remember those days as a Christian. It was so nice when I used to have those stories. And I said, don't you have them anymore? They said, no. I said, I hope I don't become like you. And I meant that sincerely, but seriously, sincerely. I don't want to become like that because I'll lose the passion and the power that God wants to flow through my life. I don't want anybody to lose that. It is fun with God. It's hard work. To be a Christian is hard work. I get that. But if it's become boring, mundane, meaningless, unfruitful, stagnant, or too much, then you must be doing it wrong. All right? You must be doing it wrong. I remember reading this quote um, from a clip that I saw. Authentic Christianity is systematically risky business. It is divinely dangerous and outrageously adventurous, but yet completely safe. <laughs> there's an oxymorons there, isn't there? But it is completely safe because we have the mark 
of adoption on our lives. When we begin a new beginning every day, something is created through us. Something of God is manifested and spreads. And all we have to do is be image bearers. To be the best we can be like Jesus. We're not Jesus. We will never be Jesus. It's not about, I want to be Jesus. I want to express myself like Jesus. I want to be walking the paths of our Lord and Saviour. I want to be in the places where our Lord and Saviour wants me to be, where he is needed. I want to be the hands, the feet, the voice, the ears, the aroma, the Bible says, the aroma of Christ. I want to be there among the people. What are we made for? We're made for new beginnings. We are his masterpieces, created, created by the creator to be creative. We are image bearers to, to spread the love of Jesus wherever we go. Under all the conditions that we have to face in life. We are made for his perfect, pure pleasure. And he delights in every one of us. So Winston Churchill said this, I no longer listen to what people say. I just watch what they do. Behaviour never lies. Behaviour never lies. It's good to listen to one another, otherwise no point in me getting up every, every Sunday. Not every Sunday, I'm not going to do every Sunday, by the way. But it's how we then live that out in our everyday. You know, you don't have to add a single minute, a single second, a single moment to your day to get busy loving the way Jesus loves. Wherever you are, whatever you do, however busy you are, however many hours you work in one day, in one week, <clears throat> you don't have to add a single second to your day in getting busy loving the way Jesus does. We're going to end on um, a little bit of scripture. That one I just wanted to put up there, Isaiah 49, 16, just to remind you, see I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands, says the Lord. And then Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 is what we're going to uh, finish on. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. I'm going to invite the band back as we <coughs> prepare to respond. Really. However you feel you want to respond. <clears throat> whatever I've spoken to you this morning, whatever, if God hasn't yet, if you haven't felt God speak to you, then ask God. I need to hear from you. I want your word through your spirit. Not just through what Brian may have said. Not through what the scriptures have just been read to me. Or what I've read in my own Bible or on the screen. I want to hear directly from you. Wherever you are in your walk with the Lord, however you feel a part of the family of God, wherever you are in that, I encourage you, I dare you to say, I'm beginning anew with you again, Lord. I invite you with me to say, I am starting again. I am meeting you for the first time again and again. 
whether you feel your mark of adoption is because of your baptism. I want you to reflect on that. What does that mean? How am I living my resurrected life out where the Lord has washed away my sin and I am free? How am I living that freedom life? Whether your mark of adoption is through membership, how has that changed your life since you've um, done your membership um, promises? Maybe your mark of adoption is you attend a church. Maybe you've never been baptised. Maybe you're not even a member. Wherever you are in that, reflect what does it mean to, for me to have the mark of Christ on my life. I'm going to invite you during um, the worship as the band uh, sings uh, to us or, or with us. You feel free how you want to express yourself um, in a response. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come up and they've got little bottles of oil. I know you've probably done this before, but um, they've been asked by me to come up the front and for those that want to renew their mark of adoption into God's family, to receive the, the mark of the cross on their forehead or on the back of their hands. Um, I'm going to pray for that oil um, and the team will be praying for that oil um, as, a, as, as, as we ask God to anoint that oil to remind us and to refresh us with our adoption into what it means to be a child of God, a daughter of God, a son of God. Whatever your mark of adoption is, maybe you've never done that mark of adoption, I invite you with eagerness to come forward today. If you can't come out of your seat, just raise your hand and one of the team will come over to you and meet you where you are. It's not about coming up the front, it's just about receiving wherever you are. So just prepare yourself. Let's pause for a moment.